Welcome to another episode of Berean's Podcast. Each week we share a message from the Bible and examine it to understand and learn to apply it to our lives. The hope is that through the wisdom of the scriptures, we will all be encouraged to make real life change and that the power of the gospel will transform our lives. Thanks for listening and enjoy this episode of the Berean Podcast that starts right now. morning. How are we doing today? All right. All right. Well, it's my pleasure and honor to be able to uh, speak again this morning, to be able to share and teach with you this morning. I always love uh, the opportunity to do this. And uh, we are continuing our series. It's kind of a, a significant Sunday because this is the end of our series um, that we call Thrive. And and. What we've been doing is we have been looking at different spiritual disciplines. Now, when I say spiritual disciplines, what I really mean is that we're really looking at Christian rhythms that are really reinforced throughout the Bible in order for us to not only gain more knowledge about Jesus, about God, about the Holy Spirit, but really prepare us to be the witness that we need to be to others when it comes to God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And uh, and so today we're going to continue. Last week, uh, Pastor Devin talked about friendships. And this week, we're going to talk about rest. So Pastor Devin decided to take a rest the, uh, to this morning. So... Um, <laughs> No, I'm just joking. He is away at a uh, at a uh, a retreat this weekend, and and if you're watching, Pastor Devin, don't uh, fire me. And um, but I think it's easy for us to get into this idea of spiritual disciplines as something that we do, something that we check off on this list of things that it's going to level us up as a Christian or make us better uh, as a person if we just follow this list. And and we're not really talking about that in this series. We're talking about things that are practices, things that are exercises to grow us, not necessarily things that are on a checklist. But I think what today is going to be is a little bit different. Because you see, we've been talking about these spiritual disciplines, whether it's prayer or fasting or friendship. And it's these things that we should do to grow in Christ. But today is different because in a way, rest is really the opposite of doing. 
the practice of rest in some ways is about ceasing from doing. Now, I know some of you, uh, especially some of you teens, if you're in here that I work with, are probably like, this is awesome. I'm great at doing nothing, you know, like I can nap and take a nap at any time. You know, uh, I'm the same way. I love naps, just not during the service. But um, but I think that what happens is true biblical rest is something that is hard for us to grasp hard for us to understand the fullness because I guarantee if I came up and asked all of you and I only know the answer because this is the answer that I give most of the time. But if I came up and said, Hey, how you doing? The answer would probably be, Oh man, I am so busy lately. Or you might say, I'm doing okay, but I am so tired. There's been so much going on. Like I, I just, it's just so much. Why do you think many of us answer this question this way? Maybe because we have something backwards when it comes to rest. Last year in 2022, uh, it came out, uh, they just came out with this and said that an average of 55% of vacation days went unused last year in the workforce. It's almost this idea that if you work more and you do more and the harder you go and the harder you go and the harder you go and the more you achieve, the more noble it is. I, uh, I have three daughters, which, yes, that means you can pray for me. Um, uh, lots of estrogen in the house, but, um, but I have three daughters and my middle daughter, Sydney, I remember when they were really little, she was maybe three years old. I remember she hated taking naps. Like taking naps was one of the things she hated to do. She was just always busy and, and we knew that she needed to, to rest every once in a while. So I remember one day my wife uh, uh, went in to check on her in a room to see if she was taking her nap and see if she was sleeping. So she walked into the room and she looked at the little bed there and there was this blanket pulled all the way over Sydney and you know, this little three-year-old girl, blankets pulled all the way over and it's just silent. And my wife's like, she finally went to sleep, yes. And as she turned around and started to walk away, her mom radar went off. You know what I'm talking about? Like the mom radar, like, oh, somebody didn't eat their vegetables. Oh, there is a sock on the floor somewhere in this house, right? Like her mom radar went off and she turned around and she was like, I heard somebody move. And she turned around and looked and she looked at that blanket laying there on the, on the bed. And all she saw was just this moving. And she goes, Sydney. And the moving goes, just stop. She's like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get her. I'm going to tell her I'm leaving, but not leave and see what she does. She goes, all right, Sydney, you know, you're supposed to be sleeping. Go to sleep. And this, this blanket that's not moving is just sitting there. And she goes, all right, I'm leaving. And two seconds later, the blanket just starts moving. So my wife said, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to surprise her. I'm going to pull the blanket off and see what she's doing. And she gets down there quietly and the blanket's just moving and she pulls the blanket and automatically my daughter just acts, acts like she's asleep. Like she plays dead, like, Ugh. 
And in her right hand is a red Sharpie marker. And on her left arm is all the drawings that she decided to do. My daughter's now a tattoo artist and uh, she does. No, I'm just joking. She's not. She's not. But, um, but I got to say, I don't know if you're the same way, but I often find myself going through the motions of appearing to rest. But in reality, I'm secretly striving and striving and striving and striving. It's like I like to tell people I'm resting and I like to think that I'm resting because I made it to the weekend. But in all honesty, I'm still just sitting there. And then I start thinking to myself, is this what life is? Is this what God wants for me to go and achieve and go and obtain and go? Until I get to a weekend and I'm tired and I can't rest and then I go some more. See, I believe that it's God's desire for us to be people who stop and dwell in his presence. To step away from doing and achieving to be the children of God. In our passage this morning, which Matt introduced earlier in Matthew chapter 11... Jesus is talking to a group that has been worn out, that is tired, that has been trying to achieve, which I suspect I'm kind of talking to today as well. You see, this group that he's talking to have been told by the religious leaders, you got to do more and more and more and more to achieve status. And you got to follow this rule and this rule. And the more you do and all this kind of stuff, and they're worn out. And we pick it up in Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28. It says, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. Now listen to this. He says, And you will find rest for your souls. For your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. God, I pray this morning as we look at what biblical rest is. Let us open our minds to new ideas. So that we can know what it means to stop and dwell in you. We pray this in your name. Amen. So this morning I I really want to discuss what I I say are um, three often overlooked truths about biblical rest. And the reason why I know they're overlooked is because I overlooked them. And as I studied this, I was like, oh man, I'm really not good at that. I need to practice this more too. The first one is this, that biblical rest is not just reactionary, but it's also meant to be proactive. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, we work hard all week, don't we? We run the kids to sports. We do all the projects around the house. If you're a student in here and you go to school, you do all your homework and you do the papers and you do everything. And then we do all of this and all week we're working, working, working. And then we get to the end and we're like, is it Friday yet? I'm just holding on to Friday. TGIF, right? And then we get to the weekend and we fill it with all the stuff that we didn't do during the week. 
And then we say to ourselves, oh, why couldn't it be a three-day weekend? You know what I'm talking about. Is this God's design? What if, think about this, what if we have a totally wrong idea of rest? What if God gave the Sabbath not as a catch-up from the week before, but as a catalyst for the week ahead? This really begs the question then, what is rest and Sabbath? Well, that might be, but what, what is it? What, what does God mean by that? You see, when I say Sabbath, many of you probably think of Exodus 20 and the Ten Commandments and the, the Fourth Commandment of you shall set aside a day of rest, a, a Sabbath, and make it holy. But the idea of rest, the idea of Sabbath came way before the practice, the implementation of the Old Testament law. We've got to go all the way back to the creation story. Check out this verse in, these verses in Genesis chapter 2 with me. Starting in verse number 1, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. This is the first idea of Sabbath, the first idea of rest that we get. And when we look at this, we say, okay, well, that's kind of reactionary because he's reacting to what he, he did, right? Well, there's two words for rest in the Old Testament. The first one, which goes along with this, is the word Shabbat, which is where we get the word Sabbath. Shabbat. And Shabbat literally just means to cease or to stop. We see that in this verse. But don't get confused because it doesn't mean that God was tired. It doesn't mean that God worked, 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 and now he's, he's so tired or he's out of breath or he's out of creative ideas that he needs to stop. No. The stopping that Shabbat is that we see here in this passage is that he stops to take a break to frame the picture of his work. He looks at it and says, this is what I intended to create and it is beautiful. He's done. He shows us this picture of stopping. But it's the second word for rest that I think is very interesting. Because you have Shabbat, which is ceasing, but you also have this word that's called nuach. N-U-A-K-H, nuach. And it, it literally means to dwell or to settle. Now I'm going to read this verse here in Genesis chapter 2, just a few verses later, where we see the first example of this. We see this example of the word nuach. And you're going to say, I didn't hear anything about rest in that verse. Listen to it. Genesis 2.15, Lord, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. There's rest in there? Let me say it again. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work and keep it. You see, when we, when we read this, put him in the garden, that's where the word nuach is. That's the word that's used for that. Why? Because God put him in the garden or settled him in the garden 
for the purpose of dwelling in communion with him. You see, rest is an intentional stop, but it's also an intentional dwelling. It can be reactive, but it's also proactive. Shabbat and Nuach. So why do we think, and I'm talking about myself here too, that if we stop our daily or our weekly work, that we're automatically going to rest. If I get to the weekend, I'm going to rest. If I get there, as long as I stop, I'm going to rest. In our, in our passage today in Matthew 11, in verse number 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Why does he say that? Because he wants to dwell. He wants to dwell, to settle. Christ calls us to him for rest. It's not just reacting to the hard work we've done, but it's growing in him to take the work week ahead. This attitude that as long as I'm not doing my regular routine, I'm going to be rested is baloney. It only proves that we have this major fallacy leading our schedules that says, I am in control and I can produce wholeness in myself. It kind of brings us to our second truth is this, that biblical rest is not about taking control, but giving up control. I call it the field of dream syndrome. Uh, Field of Dreams, any baseball movie is is automatically on the top of my list of baseball movies. I love Field of Dreams. Not quite as much as The Goonies, but I love Field of Dreams, right? And if you know that movie, they build this baseball field so that people will come to it. and, And what's the saying? If you build it, they will come, right? I feel like when it comes to rest in our lives, we have this weird idea that if I plan a vacation, rest will come. I hear you laughing because you know how silly that sounds. You plan the vacation. You go on vacation. Vacations are great. But you go on vacation and you do all the things that you want to do. And you see all the things you want to do. All while thinking about all the work that you need to do. And all this worrying, all this craziness. And then you get home and you're like, I need a vacation from my vacation. (laughs) You see, rest isn't just another duty for us. It's giving up control. There's a great example of this that Jesus gives us of rest, giving up control in the book of Mark. It's a popular story that you've probably heard. Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 36. It says, and leaving the crowd, they they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat. So the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, listen to this, asleep on a cushion. I love that they put that little cushion part in there. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm, probably on the sea and in the boat. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you... 
Still no faith? He's napping on a cushion? What happens in your mind when there's a storm or there's pressure at work or pressure at home or there's a relationship or there's problems with family or your grades aren't good enough or or you watch the news and see all the political stuff that's dividing our country or or even you go through the drive-thru and they don't get your order right yeah first thing i think of is rest what no i panic And what do I do? I think I got to do more to get myself out of this situation. I have to do more. I have to work harder. I got to try and fix it. If I was one of those sailors, I'd be doing the same thing. I'd work hard and hard trying to figure out what to do. And then I'd start thinking, well, I never really wanted to be a sailor in the first place. You start rethinking your life choices, right? But they think that they, the more they do, the better the situation is when actually they have no control. All they're doing is worry. Can I tell you what worry stands for? Worry stands for this. Waiting on real answers to situations we have no control over. Only God does because he is in control, not us. Then we drink too much coffee and get really jittery and worry more. That's what worry is. Not an acrostic. Sorry for those of you that are left brain. But I think there's something very intentional that Jesus does here that is incredible. You see, he's letting them know that in his presence, there needs to be no fear. That rest equals trust in the one with true control. Think about it. Jesus came and got in the boat. Do you think he ministered to every single person on land? Do you think there was nobody else that needed healing? Nobody else that needed ministering to? Nobody else that he couldn't preach to? No. There's still tons of people, but what did he do? He got in the boat anyway because he needed rest. He takes an intentional break from the midst of the busyness to show that there is never going to be a day when all the work is done. Then why is it that we feel that we need to keep chipping away and chipping away so that we can have more control to produce rest in our life? You know what I want? What I wish? I wish I was the kind of man, the the kind of guy that when a, a problem comes up or I start worrying or I have some anxieties or a storm comes up, that the first thing I think is, where is Jesus? And then I go to him And I say, hey, Jesus, scoot over. Let me have a little piece of that cushion. That's what I would love. But I'm a sailor. You see, it's time that we trust God and trust that he has our lives in his sovereign hands and that in those hands we will find true rest. As we look at our passage in Matthew 11, Verse 29, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Why? Because he shows the example. He is the one in control. Stop trying to do it ourselves and take his yoke upon you. You see, rest is dwelling with the one that has already written your story. 
that really brings us to the third thing. And that is this, that biblical rest is a direct reflection of the gospel that God has called us to. Of all the different things we're going to talk about biblical rest today, this is the one I find the coolest. Like, this is so cool to me. Because think about it. When we respond to the God's gospel, the Holy Spirit comes and does what? Dwells within us. Think about God's plan for the garden that we talked about earlier. The purpose of the garden was for God and man to reside together, to dwell, to be settled together. Nuach. But the tragedy of the fallenness of sin was that man is now separated from dwelling with God. This separation is the opposite of rest and renewal. It's actually restlessness. And then we as Christians, as believers, we look around and we wonder why. Why, are, why is this world so wired for unrestfulness? Why, why can't anybody understand? Why has everybody got to keep doing and doing and doing? Maybe it's because it stems from the separation of dwelling with the one that renews and refreshes souls. You see, in the Old Testament, we see a Sabbath that is a law, a prescribed day of rest. Why did God do this? Well, one, he wanted us to put it into practice, dwelling with him. Christ came, now the Holy Spirit dwells within us at all times. But I think there's also another reason. Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 15 says this. You shall remember that you are a slave in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. They were commanded to remember what God has brought them from. Delivery from slavery. And guess what? That's the same purpose today. We are saved from the prison of death that comes from separation from God. Not by what we do or the acts that we do or the striving or the getting or all of that stuff. Only by the outstretched arms of God. That's what Sabbath is for. To remember that you have been delivered. It's showing that my striving, my constant work isn't what will save me. Or get me to where I need to be. Think think about this. Uh, to take it a step further, think about this. What's heaven going to be like? Well, you think you ask me on on a good day, I'd probably say, well, streets of gold and unlimited pizza and diet coke. But um, but seriously, when you think about heaven, heaven is ceasing from your striving and work. And his constant and eternal dwelling in the presence of God. Shabbat and Nuach. In our passage, Matthew eleven twenty nine, Jesus says, And you will find rest for your souls. This soul rest Jesus is talking about is practice for eternity. In which we will not need to strive or achieve because his power is enough. You see, the more that we see that biblical rest and renewal reflects the gospel, 
the more we will reflect that same gospel to others around us. Have you ever been water skiing? This is the silliest sport ever. I mean, it's like you get in the water, you strap two planks of wood on your feet, you grab this rope that's tied to this really powerful boat, and you let it yank you through the water till you're trying to stand on water. Brilliant idea, right? I remember the first time I ever went water skiing, and uh, and they're giving me like tons of instructions, like you got to do this, got to do this, in one ear, out the other, right? And I remember I get in the water, I put the skis on, and I'm sitting there in the water. I grab the bar, the rope uh, thing to do, and I'm sitting there, and uh, I look up, and there's this, there's somebody in the boat, and they're like this, and I'm like, mm. <laughs> and all of a sudden the boat takes off. The slack in the rope goes out and boom. Now I've been snow skiing quite a few times. And in snow skiing, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to lean forward as you go down the mountain. You've been water skiing, haven't you? In water skiing, you lean back. I decided to snow ski that day. The boat took off. I leaned forward. My skis went up behind me. And all of a sudden, I'm just just going, I mean, going at it, right? I mean, I swallowed half, I swallowed half the lake, four fish and an eel. It was just crazy. I don't know what an eel was doing, but anyway, I just, uh, well, they had told me the number one rule is if you fall, let go of the rope in one ear, out the other. Um, and I'm just dragging around the lake. Going, and I hear and see people just going like this. I'm like, yeah, I'm doing good. <laughs> and finally, I'm just like, I can't take it anymore. I let go. And I'm like, oh, never doing that again. <laughs> How is it that in our culture of restlessness, We feel that the only control we have is to hold on and hold on and hold on and just keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going. God says, no. Shabbat, quit. Let go. Just dwell in me. You see, we live in a culture of restlessness. Every advertisement that we see is designed to tell you that you don't have enough, you're not good enough, you haven't accomplished enough. If you buy this car, you will you will finally achieve the status that you deserve. If you take that trip to uh, Disney World, you'll finally find that rest with Mickey. Or uh, if you get those hair plugs, you'll finally look the way... Oh, that was just for me, sorry. Um <laughs> The world is constantly telling us you can't rest because why? Because you haven't arrived. And social media is the worst. It's not that working hard is bad, but what's your motivation? All that doing and constant striving is leaving us unsatisfied. That's the whole book of Ecclesiastes, isn't it? Solomon says, I have it all, but I'm still unhappy. So why is it that God tells us to stop and dwell with me? It's because he knows that we are living in a world that just says, if you have a little more, 
if you work just a little harder, if you earn that promotion, if you work better than that, that person right next to you, you'll be happy, happy and finally be able to achieve that rest. And that's a lie. I mean, how are we supposed to love God and truly love others above all things when we're burned out, we're angry, we're jealous, we're empty, we're tired, we're stressed, we're frustrated? Let me let you in on a key. We weren't designed to be satisfied by boats or by cars or by jobs or by money or accolades. We were designed to be satisfied in dwelling in the presence of a God that calls us his children. That was his plan from creation. It's his plan for eternity. It's time for us to be proactive, to release control to reflect that design that God has for us. Shabbat Nuach. Stop and dwell. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for allowing us to have a relationship with you where you allow us to come back to you, to have an eternity of dwelling with you when we don't deserve it. God, I thank you for allowing us to have true rest in you because you don't just give rest for our body and our mind, but you give it for our soul. God, I know there's somebody in here, probably many in here, that are feeling like they're at their end. I've been so busy. I've been so tired. I've been so fed up. I've been so anxious. God, let them find true rest in you. Let them have true Sabbath. Let them dwell and settle in your presence. God, we release our own thoughts and our own ideas of finding rest. We grab onto yours. Pray this in your name. Amen. And that does it for this episode of the Berean Podcast. All of our ministries at Berean are geared towards the mission of seeing lives transformed by the power of the gospel. If you would like to be connected with our church family or give to the mission of Berean, just jump online to our website at bereanmn.com. Thanks for listening today, and we pray that you are encouraged by today's episode. Be sure to like us on social media, and we'll see you here next time on the Berean Podcast.